0: Welcome to Priority Traffic, out-of-hospital healthcare business insights, employee highlights, and important information about REMSA Health. I'm your host, Alexia Jobson, Director of Public Relations here at REMSA Health. Today, I'm talking with REMSA Health's Christine Barton, Director of the Regional Emergency Communications Center, and Captain Shane Ackerson of Truckee Meadows Fire Protection District. On December 15, 2021, Remsa Health's Emergency Communications Center began receiving emergency calls from residents in unincorporated areas of Washoe County that require fire response. Previously, these calls were dispatched by Washoe County. A Remsa Health dispatcher who is fully trained and certified in emergency fire dispatch is now dedicated to fire dispatching 24-7 for Truckee Meadows, from inside REMSA Health's Regional Emergency Communications Center. On behalf of their respective organizations, Christine and Shane worked together to successfully launch this important public-private partnership, which ensures both agencies are efficiently, safely, and compassionately caring for and appropriately responding to Washoe County citizens. So let's get to our conversation with Shane and Christine. Hello and welcome to both of you. In an earlier episode, I talked with Erin and Alex about the medical response component to the REMSA Health and Truckee Meadows Fire Protection District private-public partnership, but there's also an EFD, an emergency fire dispatch component as well. So, Christine, help us understand what this project is all
1: about. So, basically, all of our staff members were previously certified as medical or emergency medical dispatchers, and what this project really meant was that All of our staff members had to go through and become certified fire dispatchers, which included parts of learning a new set of protocols, but not just the protocols. It's learning the fire terminology, fire safety, learning a whole new set of resource deployment responses. There was a lot of learning that all of our staff needed to go through. How many employees did that include? It included all of our employees that are on the 911 side um, that answer the phone. So I currently have a total of 27 dispatchers, plus my supervisors, my managers, myself. um, And there are some few executive leadership within REMSA Health that have also gone through the training.
0: And were they up for the challenge? Were they excited to do this? Were they apprehensive about it? What was their feeling about this when you told them we were going to be taking on EFT?
1: I think in the beginning, it was really a mixed kind of a group. Um, many were very excited, um, but there was also a few that, you know, were very nervous about it. They have a huge passion for the job that they do and they want to do it really well right off the bat. They understand the validity of what we do and how it can affect patients in our community members' lives. So, but it, it's got, they did, they did wonderful.
0: Great. Of course, of course they did, right? So Shane, tell us a little bit about why this partnership makes sense um, from the Truckee Meadows perspective.
2: Approximately 90% of calls that fire departments nationwide respond to are either EMS or have some type of an EMS component related to them. Uh, So it just makes sense to have the EMS dispatchers and the fire dispatchers all in one room. The partnerships allowed for the transfer of information between fire units and EMS units that are responding, earlier cancellations of units that aren't necessarily needed on scene to better utilize all of the resources as a system and get the right units on scene quickly, and then the units that aren't necessarily needed for an incident available to respond to other incidents quickly.
0: I hear that a lot lately in these conversations is the importance of really responding and working as a system, that some of these components and partnerships that we've put into place lately really reinforce how the region is supposed to work as a whole system. We have been doing EFD now since mid-December. How's it going, would both of you say?
2: I think it's been going great. Communication specialists and all the staff over there have great attitudes. And like Chris said earlier, just a tremendous passion for their job and for what they do. And this has been very, very evident. And they're really finding their stride on the FIRE side and on the FIRE communications channels for us.
1: Um, I think that we continue to learn each and every day. Um, There's kind of new incidences or or different types of calls that are coming in every day. So it is still exciting for all of the dispatchers, but they're doing an absolutely wonderful job. In conjunction with our education and QI team, I think it's really important that we're reviewing the calls. We're also providing them feedback so that they know how to do it differently in the future if we have anything that we can improve on.
2: Chris brings up a really good point there about kind of the The diversity of incidents that the fire department responds to is when prior to taking on Truckee Meadows and the communications center, most of the communication specialists in there had a pretty significant background and experience level when handling and dealing with EMS incidents. The fire department obviously responds to all kinds of fire-related incidents, but also to a huge variety of other unrelated incidents that a lot of people won't think of, from floods to electrical issues to various different technical backcountry rescue incidents. And so those, I think, added an additional component of complexity to that learning and to getting familiar and comfortable with it. And they really, the attitude has just been amazing.
0: Well, I think you raised an excellent point there, Shane. And I was just about to say, I probably should back up a minute and ask each of you or or one of you to describe, you know, I think we're pretty familiar with medical protocols and what the dispatchers go through from an EMS perspective. But I was surprised to learn, and I I don't know why this didn't occur to me that, you know, if someone calls and they're at a structure that's on fire, there are pre-arrival instructions for that, or if there's a hazmat situation or an extrication. And so Maybe um, one of you would be able to explain a little bit more about some of those protocols, maybe how many more additional protocols it added.
2: Uh, with Within the EFD, I, I actually took the courses as well myself, just trying to learn and get my head wrapped around a, the program and the project as we got into it. There are 33 additional protocols. Within those additional 33 protocols, there's over 3,000 determinant codes or types of incidences with specific response patterns that have to go with those different alarms.
0: Chris, you had mentioned a little bit about the the quality review piece. And so, um, again, we know from the EMS perspective, as an accredited center, that that's a really important part of the work that happens in our dispatch center. Are the EFD calls being, uh,
1: you know, submitted to that same kind of review and quality assurance process? They are. So right now, currently part of the implementation process through the academy and party dispatch, we were actually assigned international cues, so that they are actually helping our, both of our in-house uh, quality assurance officers right now. So our, our QI uh, coordinators are going through, they're actually reviewing the calls to make sure that we are meeting the standards for all of our frontline staff members. And then the national cues are actually reviewing all of those to make sure that our queues are on the right path and making sure that we are actually meeting those standards. Right now, we kind of have two different sets of eyes on it, just to make sure that when our staff is doing the right thing, and then also all the way through to the queues, making sure that they are actually scoring the calls in the right way. That will continue, I believe, until June um, of this year. And then after that, our queues will be on their own. But they will continue to review calls daily and make sure that that feedback is provided to the staff members so that they have that that good information. Very good. And Shane, you had mentioned something about
0: the importance of such a close partnership so that if you all in your department run across a call that you would like to ask for special review or, you know, a deeper conversation that this allows for that opportunity. Can you tell us a little more about that? The queue process
2: that is established through the Academy of Dispatch as a whole has been a, a huge asset for us that we're already utilizing. And we've set up a, a system and program that allows all of our chief officers and executive officers to make a request to have something queued and have an, analyzed for you know, what happened, how things happened, and then kind of work towards improving constantly on any kind of incident that comes in.
1: And I do think one more thing, Alexia, that would be important too. Um, you had kind of mentioned it just a minute ago about our medical ACE accreditation that our center has had um, since. Um, 2001. We are not currently accredited through the Academy for our fire dispatch, but we will be working towards that and we will hope to be fully A certified or A accredited within a year of our implementation date.
0: Ambitious. That's, that's great. It sounds like we have precedent set for that because as I understand it, the timeline for getting EFD implemented that was given to you was much greater than what it actually took you to get it done. So uh, tell me a little bit more about that and you know, that that's
1: a good indicator that the likelihood of achieving EFD sooner rather than later is, is high. Yeah, so we worked hand in hand with um, a great group with Parity Dispatch. and um, We had project managers, we had weekly check-in meetings, but part of that, they had come to us and said that their normal implementation took about 18 months to complete. Um, And between Truckee Meadows and REMSA Health, we completed it in four. So it was a very tight timeline. Um, It took everybody being just a really collaborative in this group to make sure that all of the boxes were checked and we were able to complete it very successfully.
0: Is there anything that either of you other than that are particularly proud of when you think about this partnership?
2: Chris brought up a great point there with our implementation schedule being so quick. We went about it very objectively, I feel like. We built a team that was comprised of both Remsen and Truckee Meadows fire staff early on there, had a lot of buy-in, cooperation, and communication between the two groups. Overall, you know, I think it really exemplifies the success and the importance of public-private partnerships in emergency management and emergency response throughout all levels. And this is just a very good example of just such a, a situation.
0: Definitely. And I know when I spoke with Alex and Aaron last week, they mentioned the importance of building relationships. And I think I had asked them if they were going to give advice to other agencies across the country about how to put together a public-private partnership? What would they tell them? And they had mentioned the importance of building those relationships. And I think that's that's really key. And I feel like the, the two of you leading this project have really shown that to be true. I know that, Shane, you're like an extension of our team here at REMSA. And so I think, you know, and if either of you wanted to add anything more about kind of how you go about building that relationship and that trust between two different agencies.
2: I think open, clear communication and honesty ownership of the project and of the program of at all levels and by everybody involved is been incredibly important and will always be. But at the end of the day, communication is probably the one key factor that it's just ironic that that is my topic and punchline when we're talking about the communication center.
1: I think that it definitely helped. Um, I feel that between Truckee Meadows Fire Protection and REMSA health, that the values and vision um, of both agencies really matched each other. Um, So it was very easy to come together and really make sure that our community comes first and our patients. I think that that really helped us to all be on the same page. Excellent.
0: Is there anything else either of you would like to add that we didn't talk about?
2: I can go on here and openly express the appreciation of Truckee Meadows Fire to all of the communication staff and all of the rest of the staff at REMSA health. And that this is really the, the, just the beginning of good things to come and a a great program between the two entities.
1: I agree. Thank you, Shane. Chris, anything else you'd like to add? Without our dispatchers and the frontline dispatchers doing what they do every single day and having all of the frontline staff on the Chuckie Meadows side, you know, without them, we don't have companies that can do anything. So it's just my sincere appreciation to everybody involved. We'll just, we'll keep working together as a team.
0: Very good. Thank you, Chris. And uh, thank you to both of you for participating today, as well as for your leadership on this really important project. And of course, keep listening in the coming weeks to hear conversations with other REMSA Health leaders and colleagues, as well as community partners about topics that matter to you, our REMSA Health team. Thank you for tuning in to Priority Traffic. Priority Traffic is the official podcast for REMSA Health and is hosted by me, Alexia Jobson.